Welcome back to Travoltine Presents Easy Riders. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Lucas. Enjoy the episode. John Travolta. Brendan Fraser. Now enters a new fighter. A new challenger has entered the ring. And that challenger's name is... Winona Ryder! Yep, folks, if you have not turned off your podcast at this point, thank you for sticking with us. Um, welcome back to Travolting in our first episode of our third miniseries, um, Easy Riders, covering the films of Winona Ryder. Yes. We're so glad you are joining us uh, once again on this journey. About damn time we did a woman. Yes. <laughs> Um, yes, that is the exciting, there are many exciting things about this podcast. That's one of them is we wanted to diversify. Um, we've covered two white dudes. Um, so we wanted to do someone who was not, um, in the same category as John or Brendan, but still kind of fits into the archetype we've established on this show. Yeah. And I said this last week on our retrospective for Brendan episode. Um, you did. I did. Um, for four hours. Yeah, all f- four. Did you, you cut it down? Wouldn't <laughs> we stop for six. You wouldn't stop talking. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, I had plans with my grandparents. <laughs> canceled it. I haven't seen them in years. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I'm rolling on this miniseries. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, taking a page out of the Above the Title podcast. Um, just What's keep that? Just going. It's a Cole Bradley's podcast. I've never heard of it. It's, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so as I said last week, um, something we've kind of established for ourselves, and we, I don't think we did this necessarily um, intentionally. I think it just, like, out of the, you know, from the transition from John to Brendan and then to Winona. Yeah, there's a garbage truck out there, I think. I just didn't know if a window was open. No, it's leaving. It's leaving. Okay, cool. Um, this is the stuff you come to the podcast um, yeah, for. Yeah, right. Um, but... They both, what we've kind of established as our rhythm for this show is these actors who start out very big, very quick. Yeah. Um, kind of just like God, launch the- so loud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is the tone that we should start. We yeah. should start with a garbage truck <laughs> backing up in your fucking what, what is What is this podcast if not a garbage truck for all of my thoughts? Folks, um, like we know that like I'm 27, Jeff, you're 26 Six. and we know we're living in the age where buying a house is almost impossible now yeah. uh, until the Airbnb market crashes. Yeah. Um, but we're hoping within the next year that one of us will have moved to a place where kind we have a dedicated recording, space. dedicated recording space where it's a little bit more soundproof and yeah. we could put a little more treatment in there. Yeah. That's my goal That's for season dream. three. The dream is that... The dream is when we do our Beetlejuice 2 yeah, episode. One of us will move, and when we do, we'll scout out locations. Yeah. We'll scout out homes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, yeah. like, Angelica and I go look at apartments, you're, you have to come with me. Yeah, and just so like, I have to be there in the travolting capacity. You have to be there to be like, okay, this would be a good recording space. There's enough room here. We can mm. leave a setup here overnight. I would like that. That'd be nice. And likewise, if you guys move, I have to come with you to make sure I'm also scouting for yes. trolling places. Yeah, I'm gonna have you there with like the. You know, the anyway, back to yep. Winona Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we've kind of established this 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 rhythm, this niche to our podcast. Um, that we're kind of covering these people who start out, who have you know big arcs in their careers. 
start out very strong, very quick, um, kind of achieve a like stratospheric level of success yeah. when they're still pretty young, and then go through ups and downs um, throughout their career. We cover people who have like you know major fallings in public opinion and in like quality of roles and you know what they're doing, and then have comebacks. This podcast is like kind of tracking comeback trails. Um, we are kind of. I feel like that's just kind of what we've done. Yeah, and I agree. I just it would be nice if one of our <laughs> yeah <laughs> one of our celebrity covered would hop on that train. Well, I just kind of feel like Travolta you know, did, but he had a second yeah. downfall because Travolta. You know, he collapsed. He started out strong, collapsed, had a comeback, collapsed, collapsed again. again. Maybe having a comeback, he might be in the new Tarantino movie. Uh, maybe. Um. Brendan, you know, started out strong, had a collapse, is in the middle of a comeback. Yeah. Winona started strong, had a big collapse in the 2000s, and has recently come back strong and starting to get movie roles again. But Jeff, yes. I think this is where we have to... We can litigate? Well, I I hate that term because I know there's... Litigate means we can, like, debate about it and mm-hmm. come... Th- to a conclusion, but yeah. I already know what the conclusion is going to be yeah. and we're not changing shit. But I think this is where we're going to have to fight the most scrutiny we ever have on our no TV coverage policy. Well, here's the thing. What I find interesting <laughs> about Winona's career yes. is that she has a big comeback with Stranger Things. Huge. And that has not yet translated to better movie roles. Right. What she has done since she started Stranger Things... Um, is she was in a movie that everybody saw called Gone in the Night. Um, And then she did a cameo in Haunted Mansion. And then she is filming Beetlejuice 2 right now. Yeah. And that's very interesting to me. Um, Why has her, you know, Stranger Things success not translated to more movie roles? I know that TV is a big time commitment. I'm not, you know, disputing that. Yeah. But that is a thing I'm very interested to delve into. Um, once we get to the later stages of the show. And I think it offers a fun contrast between Brendan and John, who, in their, you know, pits and valleys, always kind of came back with, like, almost suddenly with, like, a movie that kind of led to a wealth of additional success. Yeah. Like, John, you know, he did Pulp Fiction, and then it's, like, bangers for a few years. Mm-hmm. Brendan, he just suddenly was in No Son of Move, then he wins an Oscar for The Whale. He's in Batgirl, which everybody saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Killers of the Flower Moon. Like, that's a, it's kind of, you know, an interesting lineup that one thing just leads to others. Yeah. And Winona isn't quite seeing that yet. And that's what I really want to delve into with this podcast. Folks, I am going to try to fight. We have a good amount of years before I have to do this. But I shouldn't say years. Maybe mm-hmm. a good amount of months. I'm going to fight. For one episode of Stranger Things. Of Stranger Things. Now, hear me out. You have seen some of Stranger Things. I've seen the first three seasons, and I watched the first episode and a half of season four and decided I could not commit my time to this. Not that you couldn't you didn't like it, just you couldn't commit. It your was time. like it was like fine. It was like mid, and I was just like, I can watch like a mid tier movie easy, because that's ninety minutes. This is 90-minute episodes. I simply don't have... 90-minute episodes. Go to Stranger Things Season 4 and look at how long those episodes are. I'm looking right now. An hour and 18, an hour and 17, an hour and 3, an hour and 18. 
episode seven is an hour and 40 and then episode nine is two hours and 20 minutes yes <laughs> see this is what i'm saying okay but but hear hear me out i i not that i i want to talk about stranger things less so and like talking about the show talking mm -hmm. about what makes it tick i want to talk about stranger things as it relates to winona's yes cultural celebratorial mm -hmm. comeback yeah i want to talk about why did they cast her what's her appeal why hasn't why was why hasn't she been killed off in like season two or three yet mm -hmm. why is she staying on the show yeah. like that means something to her yes less so than it means of adding like a tv show to our repertoire mm -hmm. i think that's worth an episode we can discuss this that's as we go on. folks of the audience this is the cross i'm going to try to yeah. Bear and die on I, this season. I think it's interesting context. I almost think it's interest. Like, yeah, like think of a context corner episode. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I think it's in. Yeah, we'll talk about where it slides in. Yeah, um, it will be talk. We will talk about Stranger Things. Yeah, we. I can't just don't know. Not. If, yeah, I just don't know if we have to cover it. Yeah, I was very heavy on the whole People versus OJ with John Travolta, yeah. and I realized I lost that battle. When we have enough viewers and we can afford a Patreon, we'll do the television shows. People can pay me to watch TV. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Um, but we're not talking about Stranger Things yet. We're not even talking about Winona. Yeah. Well, we are, but... Well, we're going to mainly talk about uh, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, for this show, that is what we have to start. And uh, Corey Ham. Feldman. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> there's a little bit of Corey Feldman yes. stuff to talk. You read yes. the trivia stuff. I, I've, I so you did know not watch Corey Feldman's video, but I know you, what is accused of happening during the production of this movie. Yes. Um, it's something we're going to run into with another movie during this show. Yes. Um, uh, specifically a, in pertaining to the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Yes. Um, there's and, a good amount of movies that Winona has done that have drawn up some press. Yes. I won't even necessarily say bad press, mm -hmm. but like, and this isn't, I don't want to start the episode off making a character judgment on Miss mm -hmm. Ryder. Yeah. But she does go through a period of time in her career where working with her, according to other people, yeah. seems to be getting more and more difficult to do. Yeah. And, and it draws some stories and press that's pretty publicized. Yeah. The thing about, and we'll, I don't want to go too much into it because we'll, yeah, we'll talk absolutely. about it when we get to it. The thing that's interesting about Winona's like kind of collapse in the 2000s is at the time she was like the celebrity train wreck of the week. Yes. And in hindsight, she's somewhat been vindicated. Yeah. In the sense that she was getting um, heavy prescription medications from a quack doctor. Yeah. That she basically says she doesn't remember years or like times in her life. Right. But um, that's, I hate to almost kind of say it this way. It's a, it's a new element of this podcast yes. that Fraser's had some drama. Yeah. Travolta's had some drama. Yes. Winona's got some drama. Yes. And the thing that I think we, especially for you and I, is that how does a woman get perceived differently when she has drama in the yes. industry? Yes. Yes. Um, absolutely. Cause there's a, like a major thing where like a guy will be like, um, I'm going to use Colin Farrell as an example. Colin Farrell will go through Ooh. a very public, like drug issue, career collapse, 
doesn't remember years of his life, goes to rehab, um, and then he Im- almost immediately comes back. Yeah. Not in a, like, he doesn't, like, you know, start winning Oscars or anything, but, like, in Bruges is, like, a year after his um, stint in rehab. You're absolutely right about that, John. Um, whereas Winona Ryder, um, and we'll talk about it when we get to it, but, like, she has a shoplifting scandal while on prescription drugs. I was just about to say, like, yeah. it's a shame that maybe not so our generation, but, yeah. like, maybe Gen X generation, yeah. if you tell them Winona Ryder, the first thing that pops in their head is shoplifting. Yeah. Which is terrible <laughs> when does her comeback happen after the shoplifting scandal the answer is it doesn't it until doesn't. stranger things right 10 years later yeah um and, and so we're i think we're gonna talk about that and this also happens to happen around the time she's entering her late 30s mm-hmm. early 40s yeah which to a woman in the industry is a time when you know hollywood starts being like oh you're too old we're, we'll just we'll go to the next model yeah she gets sharon stoned yeah and so this, this is all stuff that we'll be able to really delve into and as we go I'm along. I'm excited. <laughs> yes. It'll be good stuff, good conversation. Um, but for the time being, I want to start back at the beginning. Um, because, Stuart, I bought a Winona Ryder biography. No oh, shit. And I have been reading, and I read it up to the point of Lucas's release. Oh. I will be through the... It only goes up to Alien Resurrection. <laughs> but throughout... <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But no, through, that's excellent. Yeah, it's essentially the first 10 years of her career. Yeah. But throughout the process of these first 10 years, I will be reading the book up to the release of the movies that we're covering. Good shit. Um, Good shit. Which will be additional context for us. And, yeah. I, you know, I took bull, I took notes as where, I was reading where it. Is this? Where is I, it's on my Kindle. Oh. Okay. Um, I didn't buy the physical edition. Gotcha. I couldn't get it in How time. long is the book? It's like 330 pages. It's, not, it, it's not bad. Is there any way you can share? I, I um, actually might even be interested in I reading it, too. I can try. It might be I don't have a Kindle or any account. I can probably give so. you my Amazon login, and you can just go to the Kindle app. Is there a... It's through Amazon. Yeah. Is there, like, a share feature thing? I don't think so, but... No. I There is... A, you can share with one person, and I'm already sharing with uh, my wife. Some doofus on YouTube is screaming at us to start talking about yeah. <laughs> the movie. Yeah. So. <laughs> start talking about Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll shut um, up. But no, I want to quickly do some context corner for Winona herself. Yeah. Talk about where she's from um, and what she's doing. Yeah. Um, so she was born. I didn't even. I wrote everything but her birthday down. This Olmstead is County, Minnesota, born yeah. October 29th, 19- two days before Halloween. Yes. 1971. She's born in 1971 um, to parents Michael and Cindy. Her, her full name is Winona Laura Horowitz. Mm-hmm. She's born with the last name Horowitz. Yeah. Um, she comes from a you know um, a large Jewish family. Yep. She has uh, relatives who were in the concentration camps during World War II, um, and she kind of says that that um, thought has kind of you know terrified her and somewhat inspired her to keep going throughout her career. Yeah. Um, she was raised in um, the seventies to two parents who were very big into the hippie intellectual movement in the sixties. Yeah. Uh, she's raised across um, San Francisco um, in Height Ashbury, which was like the center of um, you know counterculture movement. Mm-hmm. Um, she grows up for several years in a commune in California, um, where seven families just all lived without electricity or running water. Um, and growing up through this, her godfather is Michael Leary, who was a prominent doc, like a counterculture doctor in the sixties. Michael who or was Timothy? Uh, Timothy Leary, sorry. Yeah. 
Um, he was once described as the most dangerous man in America by Richard Nixon, and that is her godfather. I love that. Um, and so she has a very interesting childhood. She's raised kind of outside of the normal sphere, which I think very much is a very interesting thing to consider when you're looking at the role she starts out as playing. She's usually playing the like outsider type, the the one who doesn't fit in with everybody else. And by her description, it's how she felt in real life. Um, she was uh, at school. She never quite fit in. She was heavily bullied when she was very young. Uh, she was even bullied after her movies started coming out. She was frequently told that she looks like a boy um, and was once beat up rather viciously um, by and called homophobic slurs mm. um, and anti-Jewish slurs. Yeah. Um, she's She is named Winona after the town she's born in, Winona County, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, but being raised in this way um, very much inspires her towards the arts because uh, she doesn't really have many friends. And a rough childhood made someone an actor. Yes, no believe it or, or not. Way. Um, she grew up mostly reading. Uh, she actually has one of the largest first edition collections in the world of novels. No shit. Um, and reading is kind of just her her outlet. Or one of her favorite books is Little Women, which is funny because she will one day be in Little Women. You know what? I actually don't want to read this biography on Kindle. I'd rather you just explain. Me it explain to it me. to you. Yeah. So I can also explain it to the audience. Um, after they move from the, they move to this commune, um, her mom takes up running a movie theater in their barn. Um, they just get a big screen, they project old movies onto it. And this is where she starts developing her love of film Mm -hmm. on top of her love of the written word. Um, her early inspirations are Greer Garson, June Allison, and Sarah Miles. Um, after, you know, reading or seeing these movies, her mom starts a drama group among the commune that she gets very involved in. Um, she was at one point, um, caught shoplifting a comic book and her parents defended her actions and were very much like, no, this is like, she's just young. She's experimenting. She's figuring things out. Mm. I'm just reading some of my bullet points before I get into the meat of it. Um, with her, you know, time and drama club, um, watching all these movies, reading all these books, being raised outside of like the main culture when she does kind of go into school. Um, she ve- like like I said, she's bullied, doesn't really fit in, um, and very quickly decides to leave school. Uh, she tells her parents she wants to be homeschooled. She has no interest in attending school anymore, and so they agree to homeschool her, and she accelerates in classes. She um, since so she graduates eventually with a four point GPA. Okay, um, but that's after Beetlejuice. Wow, um, but just four GPA. Um, and she finishes her work very quickly and has a lot of free time. Mm-hmm. And her parents still want her to get out and like kind of have a childhood. So the with you know her interest and their insistence, she enrolls in the American Conservatory Theater um, in San Francisco, mm-hmm. which uh, hosts alums such as Denzel Washington, Annette Bening, and Danny Glover. Um, and she just you know starts doing plays. Yeah, she's notoriously very selective. Um, she doesn't want to play like any bad roles. She just wants to play interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a talent scout is visiting the theater and she's kind of checking out, the, you know, the new talent um, and asks her if she'd be willing to read for a movie, which she does. The movie that she's reading for is um, Desert Bloom, which is um, who directed Desert Bloom? Eugene Core, 
Um, it's a movie starring John Voight. She's, uh, I believe, auditioning for John Voight's daughter in the movie. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get the role. Um, but her tape does get passed around, and eventually it makes its way to David Zeltzer, who directs Lucas, who's immediately like, this girl has the exact energy I want for this uh, kind of like tertiary character in my movie, Lucas. Tertiary but important character. Yeah. Um, and so off of that, you know, she gets reached out to by a different director than the one she did the audition for. Um, her audition, fun fact, is opposite River Phoenix on the video. No shit. Yeah. Um, for this other movie. And she gets a call. It's like, hey, we want you to be in a movie. And she's like, oh, is it this one? And they say, no, it's this. It's called Lucas. Um, she says, yes, obviously. Um, and agrees to do it. Um, it films in Chicago in 1985 over the summer so she doesn't have to miss any school to film this movie um right she wants it in between you know her two years she's in seventh grade she's 13 when this movie's filmed um and then the main thing i want to say before we get into the context of this movie itself is that she's asked how do you want to be credited on the movie um and they said do you want to be known as winona horowitz and she does not like she doesn't think that that flows she you know like i said she grew up with her inspirations like Greer Garson, June Allison, Sarah Miles. Those are names that flow. They have an interesting ring to them. And she has no interest in being known as Winona Horowitz. Mm-hmm. At the time that they're discussing this, her dad is playing a Mitch Ryder album on his, um, you know, uh, turntable. And the name Ryder just clings in her head. And she says, I want to be known as Winona Ryder. God. That's like that's where the theme song like yeah. starts. Yeah. Like it's just like that is that is like no. The name's Ryder. Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. Uh but yeah, that's how she gets her name and that's how she gets her role in this movie, her first movie. Hell yeah. Um what a story. Yeah, it's a good story just and from that alone. I'll be able to continue um tracking this um as I read along with this book and other research. And I'm Lu- trying to be more researched this time Yeah, around. Lucas comes out in 86, meaning it probably filmed like in 85, which Summer means of 85. she's f- 13. Thir- 14. 13. Born in 71. She is 13 when it filmed cuz her birthday's in October. October late late 71 yes. birthday, so she's 13. Yes. 13 when this films. Comes out March 28th of 1986. Uh, So this movie, um, I don't have too much in the way of context of the movie getting made, aside from what I've already said. Yeah. Um, There one bit of context that is like, you know, very, you know, troubling. Are you you going straight there? I think we should, I think we should talk about it now. You just want to go straight there. Let's, no, let's do it. We shouldn't save it for the post text because that would be kind of weird. I I, think we should just talk about it now. Sure. I agree. Um, The, 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 this movie, it's not like, you know, a big success. Not a lot of people know about this movie. Um, I, I Maybe that's a little facetious of me to say. Um, it's like, okay. It gets like an okay reception. Yeah. Um, but the big thing that this movie is known for nowadays is Corey Feldman. Um, who's not in this movie. Who's not in this movie. Uh, Corey Haim is in this movie. Right. Uh, Corey, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman are known to be. They were, they were very good friends uh, during Corey Haim's life. Yeah. Um, we've talked about Corey Haim before. He was on Dickie Roberts. That's right. He was at the um, the tape poker, the, the, the child star table. Yeah, the child star poker. Table. Yes, the very cursed table. Um, the very cursed table. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Corey Haim uh, or Corey Feldman in 2020 alleged that 
um, during the course of this movie, Charlie Sheen, who is in this movie, yeah. um, sexually assaulted Corey Haim, who was 13 at the time as well. Um, Charlie Sheen has categorically denied these claims, um, but the claims have been backed up by some within Haim's you know, circle. Haim, unfortunately, uh, died of a mix of drugs and heart conditions in 2010. Yeah. Uh, so... No one knows exactly what happened, but that was alleged. Yeah, uh, Charlie Sheen would have been twenty. Yes, he would have uh, been seven years older. Yeah, twenty uh, during the filming of Lucas. I I mean, and again, you're probably going off of way more uh, good information, but like, at least from what I read in the IMDb trivia, was that Haim's mother and sister also denied the claims Hames um from what I saw it was I believe his mother denies the claims he says that my son never had any interaction with Charlie at the time yeah they Uh, listed Dominic Brascia yes that someone else had she says that her son was sexually assaulted but that it wasn't Charlie Sheen at this time yeah which is what Feldman alleges yeah Uh, Corey Feldman who's also had a very difficult life yeah um a lot of issues on his own end as a Charlie Sheen. Uh, so I don't want to like immediately say one way or the other, but I do want to just provide this context, say that this was something that was alleged um, and that it's just a terrible, like terrible tragedy of Hollywood that that um, happened to him by somebody. Um, and that that was allowed to, you know, happen and stay quiet for so long. Yeah. Um, good? Yeah, I dropped my pen. Oh. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, what is going on with kid actors in the 80s? Um, drugs. That's what's happening. Yeah. Um, I- the fact that Winona kind of gets out of their child, her, you know, child actor years. Barely, um, Well, she doesn't really have many problems as a child actor. Her problems right. kind of come after adulthood. When she's like post-teen, young yeah. adult. Her transition from young adult, like child to young adult actor is almost like the the, the perfect child actor to serious actor transition. Yeah. What is going on now? Um, it's just the garbage truck. It's <laughs> Is it still there? <laughs> I think it is still there. Um, but her transition, you know, and I, I'm trying not to go too much into it because we'll talk about it. Yeah. But she kind of just, you know, goes from child actor star, beloved teen star, Academy Award nomination one, Academy Award nomination two, blockbuster. That's her run. Yeah. Yeah. It just, uh, it, it, it's been such a, a weird ride with like, especially covering Dickie Roberts and then mm. talking about other, yeah. Cause I, I, I remember I pulled this up on HBO max. This yeah. is on max. And, uh, immediately I was like transported like, Oh man, we are back in the eighties. Aren't yes. we? Yes. Started this looking up some trivia and I was the like, the most eighties movie. Ever. And I was like, Oh yeah, we are definitely back in the eighties. Cause then I looked up like all the drugs and shit that was going on and all that stuff. Like mm. it's just, it is its own. I mean, I know it's not, it has not changed that yeah. much. But it just seems like like that is its own ecosystem of 80s child actors who are adults now talking about it back then. Yes. I think in the year 2030 or 2040, we're going to get the 90s and 2000s yeah. child actors 
doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's the River Phoenix story, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman. Um, a lot of these... Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, this is a great way to start our show off, talking about sexual assault as a garbage truck just roars outside my window. Is it a garbage truck, though? It's it... a garbage truck. Okay, you see it? Yeah, I, I saw it. All right, let, let's... Uh, incredible first episode that youtube misfit is just like talk about the fucking movie <laughs> yeah we are talking about the movie yeah we buddy. are bitch um <laughs> sorry um all that context aside is there i don't think there's much else context um, unless you have anything to say um not not really other i mean we'll talk more about like the particular actors that are in this film yeah um because uh, there is a very sudden appearance in this movie that shook me to my core wait which one uh jeremy piven pops up in this movie and i was oh yeah yeah yeah. deeply unsettled yeah uh i don't know much about jeremy piven is that like huge he's he's the um, he's like the asshole agent from entourage oh okay um, america's worst show Um, oh i think i know what he he is all right shall we just get right into the plot while wow, this fucking garbage truck is yeah. <laughs> ru- ruining our podcast. God, I'm so sick and tired of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to jump into Ruinona's first movie, Lucas. <laughs> you, you keep going. You keep going. I'm just aggressively adjusting his mic. Well, it's just, I got the, the lug nut yeah. thing is yeah, stuck again. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Okay. So this movie uh, starts off, we're introduced immediately to Lucas Bly. It's passing us right now. Yeah. We should wait. We, let's wait. Do you want to wait? Because it's right next to you Is now. It right there? It's right here. Okay, should we? Yeah. Let's just, <laughs> let's just wait. Admittedly, very funny. I am just so pissed. Like, it... It came by once, and now it's coming through again. <laughs> it's coming back. What the fuck is it doing? <laughs> Can it not make that turn, probably, in the mid part of the alley? Yeah. So it's probably going through the mid part of the alley, and it's got to back up. Yeah. And then come all the way around to get this side. I think that is more or less exactly what happened. But hold on a second. Because there's a fair amount. Cursed show. Very cursed. Check, check, check. I think it's gone. No, it's not. It's not gone. You can see it. I see it, Jeff. (laughs) I can see the fucking garbage truck still parked in your alley. It's fucking gone. It's not gone. 
Maybe we should. Maybe I should remember not to record on Thursdays. Yeah, I think that's the problem. That might be a good move on my end. <laughs> I mean, once it's done, it's done. What time are you going to Scrimble? Uh, six, I think. So there's still plenty of time. Are you scheduled to like hash out more documentaries? Yeah, for sure. What's great is I have therapy at six o'clock. Yeah. Not that we're gonna talk for five hours, but it was just something that kind of thought of like, oh man, I don't know how long to think. I might be able to squeeze this in therapy. And this is how close it is to the movie. Oh, that's very close. Just bum here until. Well, I'm meeting them for Nando's at, at five. So. Uh, okay, so that's a very good and Mark invited me to go see Equalizer three with him at two fifteen, which I don't think I'm gonna do, but. Okay. You can bum around. Is basically the point I'm making. Well, I mean, yeah, I see. Maybe it's back in the day. Okay. All right, it's out of your alley now. Okay. Officially, so. Okay. Time to. Yeah. All right, so we, we start this movie off, and we're introduced to Lucas Bly. Lucas Bly, Corey Haim. Yeah, Corey Haim's character. Yeah. Um, who's, like, a little weirdo. Yeah, um, he's, he's, respectfully. A, he's a creep. <laughs> <laughs> he's a little weirdo. He's a bit of a... I mean, he does... Corey Haim does a good job. You know what he is in this movie? He's literally doing an Animal Crossing live action. He's running around with a little hat and the net, catching bugs. He's like the Animal Crossing character. He's like... Yeah. That's a that's what he's playing in this movie. Yes. Um and so he's running around catching his little bugs and everything. Um he's as he glasses. is as he is wont to do. Um Lucas. He shows up to a cheerleader practice and he snoops. Yes. And then they all chant. It was almost carry like. Yeah. With like the whole like plug pervert, it up. But it's pervert, like pervert, pervert. Yeah. All right, and he runs away. And eventually he comes across a tennis court. Um, where he, we see um, he's introduced to the Maggie Maggie played by Carrie Green, Carrie Green, the immediate love of his life. Um, he just like has like the Roger Rabbit like eyes pop out of his skull. Yeah. Thing. Um, but he just kind of like watches her and she she, gives a lot of Emma Watson vibes. She but, does look a lot like Emma Watson, but like red hair. Yeah. Yeah. Redheaded Hermione. Yeah. Freckles and everything. Um, I would like to say that. Um, the Wikipedia description of the scene is he becomes acquainted with Maggie, an attractive older girl who's just moved to town on one of his entomological quests. Um, I like that someone... That's a very nice way of saying it. he likes bugs. Yeah, someone <laughs> went and wrote entomological quests on Wikipedia, and I salute you, sir. He likes bugs. Yeah. But he, yeah, he sees Maggie playing tennis, and it's that classic, like, slow-mo yeah. tennis. Yeah. Like, hit And the, the movie ball. has this incredible 80s synth score where it's like... <laughs> but he's like, yeah, that's exactly it. And then she's like... And then she sees him looking at and he's like, can you pass me the ball? It's yeah. like, I play better when people aren't watching. Yeah. So then... But then he, she invites him to start playing. Yeah. That's the thing about this movie is, like, we get a lot about Maggie's character and we don't at the same time. Yeah. That instead of being repulsed by this kid, it's very much kind of in the vein of like, oh, look at that little weird child staring at yeah. me. Yeah. 
do you want to play tennis, little boy? Yeah. Well, she he is like an advanced student. Yeah. Um, he's like in high school when he shouldn't be. Um, he's fourteen. He's fourteen, but he says like he's um, he's in like a higher grade than he should be. Yeah. Um, and she is a transfer. She doesn't know anyone, and so they become friendly over this tennis game. Um, and she offers to drive him home, um, which she does, and drops him off at this house that's being worked on by a gardener. And it's a big house. Big house. He li- he has rich parents. Yes, is the implication. Who we never see. We never see his parents. But we know that they're lawyers. Yes. Yeah. Um, what was that? What was that look? This, when this movie's M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist at the end. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So have you ever seen Wide Awake? No. It's M. Night Shyamalan's first movie. It got taken away from him during post by Harvey Weinstein. Um, Fucking course it did. Yeah. It is not good. But it basically has the tone of this movie where it's like this like this kid um doesn't is he goes to Catholic school and he can't decide if he believes in God or not because his grandfather just died. And he's trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And the whole time he's going to this Catholic school and there's like this like little nerdy kid who's like kind of following him around he runs into all the time. Mm-hmm. Um and you're like, this is just like Rosie O'Donnell appears in it and her like star <laughs> blew up. Uh, she's like a teacher who's in like three scenes. Mm-hmm. But her star blew up, um, after they filmed it, so they put her on all the posters, and she's like barely in the movie. It's funny. That's really funny. Um, but at the end of the movie, he like, you're like, oh, this is just like M. Night Shyamalan's movie before he became the twist guy. And then at the end of the movie, he's like walking and he runs into like the nerdy kid, and it turns out that kid is God. <laughs> 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 he's just like, I've been watching you. <laughs> so then he knows to believe in God. Yes. Because the question was he's like, answered. your grandfather is great, and then he like disappears. Wow. I just truly did not expect that M. Night's first movie was going to have a twist of such extreme proportions. Big twist. Very similar tone to this movie, which is why I bring that up. Yeah, um, right. Because the movie does have a twist at the end. That's very funny. Um, but she drops him off at home, and then he's like, hey, I'll meet you at the tennis court every day at 4, I think he says. 4 p.m.? Something like that, yeah. Um, and so we kind of get a little montage of their friendship yeah. blossoming at the end of summer. Because she says, it's like, do you want to come play tennis? Like, no, I'm playing with the gardener. Oh, yeah. well, what's your number? And I'll call you. Uh, my parents want me hanging out, handing out yeah. my number to strangers. Okay, well, can I stop by? Uh, my he's parents like, don't like no. people stopping by either. Like, he's trying his best to, like, not get, like, include her in his life. Yes. But, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. This is a weird thing. Yeah. But, yeah, then they he... Meets her at the tennis court, and then, yeah, the montage about yeah. their friendship. Every time you go away, I feel my... It's, like, essentially, like, uh, last days of summer montage. Yeah. That you've seen in, like, a million 80s movies before. Yeah. But it's effective every time. It is. Because uh, everyone remembers having a childhood. I never... I didn't have a childhood like this, but... You didn't? No, I didn't, like, you know, hang out with my um, older girlfriend, but, like... The, the the magic of the eighties movies is the all man. <laughs> the magic of the eighties movies is that they all make you feel like you had this childhood even if you didn't. Yeah. That, like they all feel relatable even when they aren't. Right. Like even the craziest John Hughes movies. Like everyone's like, Oh, I've had a Ferris Bueller stuff. It's like, I don't think you have, but <laughs> Right, yeah. Um Yeah, that's very true. We get a lot a lot of John Hughes vibes yes. with this. Um but we know from the get go to me personally she does not view uh, Corey Haim's character, um, Lucas. His fucking title of the movie. I yeah. forgot his name already. 
uh, as attractive. Yes. Like we, at least I did. I knew that right away going yeah. into it. He has a crush on her and is not reciprocated. He just sees him as a younger friend. Yeah. Um, it's the, you know, the young boy has a crush on an older girl. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a story it's, that's it's been a, told. It's a classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, you kind of think, you know, where that is going and in a sense you do, but this movie does make some interesting choices later down the line. Yeah. Um, cause then we get introduced to Charlie Sheen. Well, he basically says, I'm, I am terrified of the first day of school to her. And then we hard cut to the first day of school. Yeah. Um, where we're introduced to the larger supporting cast of the movie, which I shouldn't say is large. Um, but Charlie Sheen, <clears throat> who is a football player. Cappy. Cappy, yeah. who is friendly with um, Lucas. Not his brother, which I thought he was. Yeah, I thought he was his brother at the start. And then it's he turns out you're not related. Yeah, He's it, just a nicer, older guy. Yeah, it turns out that Lucas did his homework for a while. Um, uh, okay. It says that uh, Cappy developed hepatitis and was like bedridden, and um, Lucas did his homework, okay, <clears throat> and like brought him, you know, work from school every day so that he didn't have to repeat a year while being laid up. I missed that scene. Uh, it's like kind of thrown off. It's like one line that's thrown off pretty early. Yeah, but as a result, Cappy's always like kind of had a protective attitude towards Lucas. Yeah, Cappy, who's dating. Uh, Elise. Yeah, he he's in a relationship. He's in a relationship. We see Winona Ryder pretty quickly in the school scene. Yes, I took a picture of her first scene. Uh, she kind of just walks in, and it it's the dynamic that's set up pretty clearly is that she likes him. She has a crush on Lucas, but Lucas doesn't see her. Lucas has a crush on Maggie. Right. Maggie has, has a, a crush, crush on, on Cappy, Cappy, who is in a relationship with, with Elise. Elise. Yeah. And so you can kind of see like the Z pattern. Yeah, right. Um the line of connections here. Yeah, little zigzag action yeah. going on. There's a few other folks in the supporting cast, but they're all mostly like archetypes. Yeah. Like we get the 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 ang- principal, the principal, the coach, the, the bully. angry fo- yeah, the bully football player. Yeah. They're all mostly just like archetypes. Yeah. Um uh, those are our four, I would say three main characters. Elise doesn't really have much agency in this movie. She's kind of there to be broken up with. Neither really does Winona Ryder. Yeah, Winona doesn't have much, but the thing Winona has is that she's played by Winona Ryder. Yes. Um, who in her first role, you can tell it's her first role. Yeah. She has that first like first time actor thing where she doesn't really know what to do with her body during the scenes. Yeah. But she's thirteen. Yeah. She's doing a very nice job with um like kind of establishing this character. I will say, and this is something that like um, I'll say just as like an in general thing with Winona Ryder is she's a presence to be noticed in a room. Yes. You notice her right away, yeah. regardless. She could be, she could have been a background actor yeah. and I would have noticed yeah. her. She always has a very interesting look to her. Yeah. Um, she has an interesting face. Yeah. It's kind of like compelling. She had dyed her hair dark brown, um, just for fun. And when the director saw it, he wanted her to keep that as like this outsider character. And she has, you know, it's a combination of, like, her voice, her look, and just, like, kind of her innate, like, shy quality. Yeah. That always really, you know, she can immediately establish a character with minimal work. Yeah. And I'm not saying that she's doing minimal work, but, like, she's very good at just establishing that character. Right. When I I was reading a little bit about, like, her acting style, which develops a little more after this movie, but she's not a rehearsal person. She's an instinct person. 
just she likes right to just go it. right into it and just kind of see where her instincts take her. Yeah. Um, and then you know, kind of work build off of that. Yeah. And so you can you can see that somewhat because she immediately has charisma in the scene. But like I said, she has that first actor thing where like she just kind of stands there and like will move her head around and say the lines. Yeah. But she's not you know delivering all language with her performance like yeah using her entire body. I'm sure she was nervous. It's her first movie. Yeah. Um, but I think just everything about how much she like she cap when she's in a scene, she very much like draws attention to yeah. herself. Yeah, very much so. And that's you know she gets cast in other movies off of this performance. Yeah, and so I think that's a very it's very much like a star making performance, even if you wouldn't expect it. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at her in this, right? Or you wouldn't expect it by the size of her role, I should say. Yeah, um, you know it's a very. Um, how 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 should I put this? It's a very Carrie like role. Yeah. For Winona Ryder. Mm-hmm. John Travolta and Carrie, who isn't a main character, he's a very small supporting yeah. character, but you kind of notice him right away. Yeah, he makes himself known. Yeah, like that first blowjob scene in Carrie. Yes. That's just like. Yeah. Name me another actor you can replicate yeah. that scene with. I can't. <laughs> or like even, you know, Brendan's earlier roles. Yeah, um, like the this... sailor. Well, how about you? Fuck off. Yeah. Like. And well, discounting the, discounting the sailor. <laughs> what do you mean? He only has one line in that. But, but I mean, that's what I mean, yeah. though. It's like he says one line and and what what's the fucking dog, dog fight? Dog fight. Uh, what a good movie. Um, um, a pretty decent. But movie. I mean, you know what? You I'll, you're right that he delivers that one line. Yeah. It's like, well, how would you like to? Yeah, like that's a guy. Fucked. That's an actor. Yeah, like that's an actor, and you're like, he just kind of brought a lot of character to that, like one line to that one performance. In the same way that Winona is in all of her scenes in this movie, even if her character is yeah. fairly small. Because it, it's hard to say with Fraser because outside of Child of Darkness, Child of Light, where he's a glorified background, yes. Dogfire gets one line. Every movie after that, he's like... A big role. A big role. Uh, I just I relate the most to Carrie because it's like Winona, like it she has sense. a role, she has lines, she has an arc-ish. Yeah. Um, same with like Travolta's character and Carrie. Um, but what makes it worth it is like, you just notice these folks yeah. right away. And if people who never like really, who have seen, haven't seen Carrie in a while and rewatched it today, like how many folks are like, is that John yeah. Travolta? Like what? Yeah, it's a, it's a, pr- it's a big surprise. And I'm sure someone yeah. watching this movie, be like, Oh, is that Winona Ryder? That's, Winona Ryder. That's great. Um, I think it, I think it, it's it's a nice it's a nice little performance. Yeah, I like it. And this is the this is the earliest we've started with an actor on this show. We didn't start with Brendan or John when they were thirteen. Yeah, yeah. that's very true. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right because Travolta at the earliest was seventeen. Yeah, I think he was seventeen in Devil's Reign. Yeah. Um. And Fraser Fraser started late. Yeah, I think he's like twenty in. He's twenty-ish uh, in Child, Child of, of Darkness. Darkness, Child of Light. Yeah. Yeah, this is like the youngest age we've yeah. ever started with an actor. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, so yeah, it's doesn't... cool because we get to you know track a lot of you know important milestones in her life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she, um, after we are introduced to Nona, we kind of like you know this. We go through some basic you know high school stuff. There's like a pep rally. Yeah, um, the kid, the pep rally scene's interesting because, like, the kid gets, like, brought up on stage as, like, a bullying thing. Yes. And then it very quickly sets up the whole thing about, like, the school sees him as this, like, puny little weirdo yeah. kid who likes to get attention, yeah. but 
he's getting attention for the wrong reasons. Yeah, he gets carried up to the stage by the bully. Yeah. Um, and then the principal's like, all right, you can leave the stage now. And he does like this like a few more Rodney gags. Dangerfield routine. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, you can get off the stage yeah. now. He doesn't say anything. His like one move is he just keeps doing the get a load of this guy thumb pointing at the principal. Yeah. And the principal, he's like, get a load of this guy. And the whole audience, auditorium laughs. At the at, at Lucas. The principal. Yeah. It's at Lucas. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing that I thought was the most inter- interesting thing about the scene. It's like, they're laughing at Lucas. They're not laughing yeah. at Lucas's jokes. Yeah. They're laughing at him. Yeah. And I think that's what Maggie is. Carrie Green, I think, does a really good job yeah. in conveying that, oh, Lucas thinks he's popular and yeah. he's, like, he's the bullied kid. Yeah. Because Lucas immediately runs out of the, the pep rally. And, and she catches up to him. And we get quickly charlie sheen's character being like a protective older brother figure to him older brother figure important Mm. note um so then what happens next after that uh the next Uh, bit of business is i mean it's a lot more montage it's a lot of business stuff yeah just the high school going by when do we get to the first scene in the laundromat with carrie green and charlie sheen well what we get first um Oh, wait, you're right. Movie um, theater. Movie theater. Movie theater. Yeah, they all go to see... Cappy agrees to take Lucas and Maggie to go see The Fly. Because Cappy's going with Elise. Yes. There's um, a scene in the movie theater lobby yeah. with the bully. They go to see The Fly because they're like, oh, it'll be funny. And I'm like, is this the Jeff Goldblum fly? That movie is not, like funny, but it's not funny for that age. No. Um, And they're seeing the Vincent Price fly. Which, which is, is funny. It's like, I mean, it's like, it's it's a 50s horror movie. It's like kind of goofy. Is The Fly Cronenberg? The newer one, or the 80s one is. Okay. Um, but they're not seeing that. Yeah. Uh, and they're in the theater, and Lucas is, he's not pulling any moves, you know? Yeah. He's not doing the yawn. Yeah, the yawn stretch. The he's not around. doing the, if you were a pirate, would your parrot be on this shoulder or this shoulder? Yeah. He's not doing any of the move. He's not doing the whole, like, hand clap thing where you go, like, pop, and yeah. then you land in the arm. Did you do any of those moves, Jeff? No, I didn't. No. May have pulled a couple of those moves oh once or goodness. twice. So, Angelica, you're listening. I I think I pulled it on her. Yeah, a couple times. She's listening right now and shaking her head. Yeah. Um, but you know he doesn't make a move there, and Maggie starts to kind of be attracted to Cappy. Well, yeah, she looks behind her, and that's where she sees Cappy and Elise making out. Yeah. Uh, Lucas notices too, and he doesn't register that Maggie's he's like, looking. Gross! Yeah, well, he's like, they probably done it. Yeah. Oh yeah, he does they, say that. You can tell how they how they're making out that they probably done it before, and then Lucas turns back to see the movie, and Maggie doesn't. Yeah, and she keeps staring. Yeah, she keeps watching. And then Charlie Sheen, Cappy, looks and notices Maggie staring, and rather than being like, "The fuck you looking at, yeah. little girl?" He he's like, oh, "Okay, okay, interested in what you're seeing." Um. Cause that that's I don't know if this is weird. <laughs> it's Cap, like it's like Cappy Maggie stuff. It feels it's weird, but it feels authentic. If that makes sense. Because I mean, they're both high school, but Cappy's yeah. giving junior senior energy. She's giving sophomore energy. She's get, she's giving junior senior to me as well. You think she's giving junior? Because she she energy. seems much older than um, Lucas, and Lucas is like a freshman. Well, she's sixteen though. She's sixteen. Oh, did she say she's sixteen? Yeah, that was the whole thing in the movie. Okay. Is she says her dad divorced. her her mom and is hooking up with a 19 year old which she finds weird and lucas is like well age difference it's not a big thing like think about it this way i'm 14 you're 16 is that weird you know Mm -hmm. zoinks um zoink scoob and i get and she does also get like new girl in school kind of vibes so that's why i kind of register as like sophomore vibes yeah um 
sophomore junior vibes and Charlie Sheen gives like junior senior vibes. Yeah, in terms of like the you know, they're roughly around the same age. It doesn't feel that yeah. weird. It doesn't feel weird to me. Yeah, yeah. Um it feels like, you know, they're developed, they kind of like have eyes for each other. Yeah. And then the next day in class they're teaching the students how to make smoothies. Um Yeah, that was weird. The school has a smoothie class. Um and Charlie Sheen fucks up the smoothie and it splatters all over him. And so he has to go to laundry class. Yeah, the, well, the teacher says, it's funny because Charlie Sheen puts all the stuff in the blender and the teacher's like, all right, you sure you've covered all the steps? Yeah, like, yeah I'm pretty sure. It's like, you sure you're not missing one step? It's like, I'm pretty sure. He's like, yeah. okay, give it a shot. Turns the blender on and zoinks. Yeah, he like, didn't it, put a lid on it. Yeah. And then she looks like the, a thing should put a lid on it. Right. And the teacher goes to class and be like, all right, who would like to help this boy now learn how to use the laundry? And then Maggie raises her yeah. hand slowly but confidently. Yeah. And so she and Charlie are in the laundry room. Immediately his shirt is off. Yeah, his shirt is off. Um, it's Charlie Sheen. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, I was waiting to hear what you were going to say. He's got the tiger blood. Um <laughs> Ah. Remember the tiger blood thing? That's no crazy time in America. What was what's the tiger blood? When he was like on cocaine on some talk show in like 2010, and he was just like, I got tiger blood. <laughs> um, That's um, really funny. Yeah, during um, the re- when he got fired off of Two and a Half Men, isn't right. it funny that Two and a Half Men ended just being one man? They tried getting Ashton Kutcher well, in it because because it started off and it was whatever the fuck that one guy's name is, Charlie Sheen and the kid. And um, Alan, the other guy. Is Alan his name? Whoever the dad of the kid is. Yeah. That's the two and a half men. Yes. Half being the kid. Yeah. Because they eventually they fire Charlie Sheen, and oh. then it's just Alan and the kid. And then the kid left. The kid left? Yes. The kid left. And like the and like some other kid came in. And so by the end of the show, of the original two and a half men, there was just one man. I thought John Ash- Cryer, that's the other guy. Ashton name. Kutcher did I thought Ashton Kutcher came Ashton in. Ashton Kutcher did come in. But he left? He he no, he stayed, but like of the original two and a half men. Right. Only, only one, one of them of remained. Them remained. <laughs> okay. Because I thought the whole premise was like they had the to kid keep- grew up into a man and Ashton yeah. Kutcher is a man, but he's like a boy man. No, they had to keep they had to really stretch the limits by the end of the show to figure out how they could keep the name two and a half men. Did you fucking watch the finale of that show? No. <laughs> Do I you didn't- know how it ends? No. How does it end? I, folk. Okay, I'm going to play it, but I'm also going to describe it so it's good for the audience. Uh, two and don't you fucking look it up. I'm not. Uh, two and a half men finale scene. Okay, so basically, the way it fucking ends is like, because in the show they say like Charlie goes to jail. Yeah. But well, in, don't they kill Charlie? Hold on. Yeah. He goes to jail. That's why Charlie Sheen gets kicked off the yeah. show. And at the end of the show, the finale, they say, like, Charlie Sheen's getting out of jail and he's going to come back. And they're figuring, but they're trying to sell the house and all that shit. And this is the final scene of the movie, I believe. I think I have the. So it's Ashton Kutcher. It's the dad. Yeah. And it's the, is she the nanny or the housekeeper? I never really got what her role was. I have never seen a full episode of the show. I want to emphasize that. I haven't either. There's Ashton Kutcher. There's Ashton Kutcher. They're all smoking cigars on the back porch of the house, which is originally Charlie's house. Yeah. 
The whole premise of the show was that Alan got a divorce and they moved in with his brother Charlie. Yeah. Hold on, let me like fast forward and make sure I get to the right part. Uh oh, it's important to know. This little bit right here. They're looking up at the sky, and it's a helicopter carrying a piano. Yeah. Okay. It's just important to yes. know. It's just important to know. So then we go forward, and then we get this. Did they... So we cut to, who do you think that is? Charlie Sheen, but... Not, not... Charlie Sheen, yeah. right? It's obviously a body double. Yeah. <laughs> they dropped the <laughs> piano on him. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, they dropped the piano on him. It doesn't end there, though. Watch. You know who that is? Uh, who is that? Chuck Lowry. Oh, the oh the showrunner of Two and, and a Half a Men. Piano and they dropped a piano well. on him, and it's the set yeah. of the show. They went full wall like, break. And that's full, the end of the show. Chuck, that's Chuck how it Lowry. Ends. Chuck Lowry. Sorry. And you know what he said? I, I, I was talking over the line. When the camera backs up and you see yeah. Chuck Lowry in his chair, and he looks back at the camera, you know what he says? Well, Winning. Yeah. Like Charlie <laughs> Which is the whole Charlie Sheen thing. I also looked it up. We'll get back to Lucas in a second here. Yeah. But um, so Charlie Sheen left and they killed his character off and then revealed he was alive in that finale where they killed him again. Um, okay, you're right. Because I specifically remember that but they even said in the dialogue that he was in jail. Well, I think they find out that he was in jail and he's coming back because I remember there's an episode where Kathy Bates plays the spirit of Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Return from hell. Okay, that's so good. Like she's literally just playing Charlie Sheen from hell visiting... Um, John Cryer. That's really good. Um, That's really good. This show kind of like, I will never watch this show. Me, me um, neither. But th- the last thing I want to say about Two and a Half Men before we never talk about it again is that the kid did leave the show due to converting to a like um, uh, seven day Adventist Christian church. No way. The yes. fucking Waco, Texas religion. Yeah. He, uh, he joined that and begged people to stop watching the show. And then after two, and then he replaced him with Amber Tamblin who plays Jenny, Charlie's long lost daughter. So it's like two and a half, um, two men and a half woman is like kind of what it segues into. Um, that's fucking awesome. And, and then they bring another kid into it. Who is um, D- Ashton Kutcher's like uh, long so it's lost not child? Two and a half men. It's not two men and one half woman. It's three people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially by the end of it, it's three. And then the kid, the original kid, gets out of the like religious group and comes back for the finale. What? <laughs> no. Um, Are you shitting me? I'm dead serious. This is a real thing. This show ran for twelve seasons, folks. <laughs> Um. <laughs> oh my God! Sure this am- was worth it. Yeah, two and a half men. So worth it. Um, we're gonna talk about just one half man though. That's Lucas. Um, well, I was say laundry scene. Yeah, laundry scene. Charlie Sheen has a shirt off. <laughs> yes. Um, and so he and Maggie kind of you know develop feelings there. They're flirtatious and all that stuff. And um, and then the next time we see these characters, Mag, um, Lucas pitches to Maggie to go to prom together. Well, he doesn't really pitch it. He just says it. Yeah, he says we're going to go to prom. Because somebody together. asks him in front of Maggie, like, oh, are you, so are you two go- You two are going to the dance, right? And they're yeah. like, yeah. Like, oh, it'll be like a little double date. It'll be cute. And then Maggie's like, what the fuck, Lucas? Because like, he asked Cappy to drive them. Right. Because to... uh, he... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> just not yet. <laughs> Let's get our ducks in a row. Um, yeah. So, um, 
because she's like, what the fuck, Lucas? Like, I thought, like, when were you going to tell me I was going to the dance with you? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I, 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 I just I thought you just wanted to. I thought you just wanted to, right? Yeah, bugs. Yeah. Like bugs. <laughs> uh, and then that's when Winona Ryder comes back. Yeah. And she's asking Lucas, who is kind of reeling from that conversation a little yeah. bit, like, are you going to the dance? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. Do you want to come with me? Well, I'm already going. Yeah, I'm going I'm, with Maggie. I'm already going with Maggie. And he's like, oh, okay. Okay. And then she leaves. Yeah. And so next bit we get this cool. I like the way this next scene is shot because it is just a wide shot of Cappy's house and he like drives with Eloise and they're fighting and they basically break up in just one wide shot of the house with the car in the corner. Yeah. Um, it's a fun way to kind of do that. Mm-hmm. And then the next bit, Lucas shows up in a full tuxedo that he says he rented himself it's to Maggie's, Maggie's house. Yeah. Maggie's mom is the door and she's like, I'll get Maggie. Maggie opens the door and she's like, we can't go tonight. I'll pay you for the tux. And he's like, why? And he's like, Cappy's here. He's really upset. Um, He and Eloise broke up. And he's like, what do you mean? And, he's, and she's like, I just need to, he just needs comfort. He's really depressed and I yeah. need to be here for him. And and then Cappy walks out. Yeah, wearing a t-shirt. And he's like, yeah, we were going to go get pizza tonight. Did you want to come with? Motherfucking cock And Lucas is like, you got, you're really depressed and you're getting pizza? pizza? Um, It's pretty evident that they're dating. Yeah, and so or going on a date, and Luke, and and I will say Corey Haim does a good job. Yeah, no, he's this. really good in it. He's really charming in this movie. Yeah, he does a really good job in this scene. He's like, well, I don't want to ruin, like, I don't want to make your depression any worse for when yeah. you go get pizza or something along the lines. I'm butchering the line. Yeah. He's so, just he says a really good line. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't want to make your depression worse. Go get pizza. Yeah. And so he kind of like stomps off to. Um, the dance where he just kind of like sits across the lake from the dance and watches. Yeah. This is where we get like the big Winona scene of the movie. Um, cause she, a car pulls by stops yes. and she gets out and comes and sits next to him. Just kind of, is this saying that she drove? No, she's, she, as she runs out, you hear someone else going like, Rena, we got to go. Oh, um, like her mom. She's like, just give me a minute. And so she just goes and she sits next to him and they just kind of talk and he's, she's just kind of comforting him. Yeah. Um, and Winona's really killing the scene. I feel like, um, mm-hmm. they both are. Um, and it's nicely shot too. Yeah. It's a nice little scene. They're sitting across the lake from this party, so there's a big party happening in the background. They're disconnected from it. She's holding her own with Corey Haim. Yeah, who at this point's like a little more established. He's a little bit more established. Yeah, um, but it, it's a really nice little scene. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it 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 doesn't last for too long because um, we kind of go back into the high school shenanigans. Well. Because then we he rides his bike away, and then we get we go to the pizza place where it's Maggie and Charlie Sheen. Yeah, and he Kathy, sees them kissing. And he sees them kissing, and then he rides his bike away. He's crushed. Oh, by myself. Yeah. Don't wanna yeah. be. And so Lucas decides DEFCON one. <laughs> he's got to like he's got a nuclear option. Join the football, football team. team. <laughs> and this happens an hour into the movie. Which I, I, this is the poster of the movie is him on the football team. I expected this to happen pretty early. It's an hour into the movie when this happens. But did you like check what point this was in the movie and realize there's still like a whole third of the movie left to go? Yeah. I thought we were re- getting toward the end. Yeah. In a way that an hour felt like an hour and a half. Not I, in like a bad yeah. way, but like. Is it movies an hour and 38 minutes long? Yeah, and um, at this point, we're at the hour mark. I yeah. thought we were, like, about to end the movie. I thought that this was pretty... I thought that the football thing would have happened earlier, actually. 
Well, yeah. you thought the football thing would have happened earlier, but did you feel like we were at the well, early I thought the part mo- of the I thought movie. the main core of the movie was going to be the football thing. But like when you paused it when he joins the football team, did you expect to be two thirds? I was like, done? oh, we're close. I was I was kind of the opposite. Okay. Of you. I was like, oh, oh we're, we're, I thought I was the like, football oh. thing's only the third act. I was going to say like, oh, we still have a whole act to go. Because like the pitch I thought this movie because she I, I forgot to mention she joins the cheerleaders. Yeah, Maggie. she does do that. Um, and it because they had an earlier conversation yeah. about that about. Football players and cheerleaders, they're all, like, glitz and glam. Yeah. Like I, I was pretty much expecting, like, that the movie was going to be, like, she joins the, the cheerleaders, so he joins the football team to impress her. And I thought that would happen act one, and that's, like, the movie, and then at the end he makes the touchdown or something. But that is not what the movie is. We did kind of talk over that scene, which is yeah. really good, only because it has one of my favorite moments in the movie, yeah. which is it's Corey Haim and Carrie Green talking about... Maggie joins the cheerleading squad and he's like, why would you join the cheerleading squad? It's like, well, I didn't realize I had to ask your permission. Yeah. And they have this little conversation and midway through Corey Haim, best acting moment, in the entire yeah. movie just fucking climbs a tree. Yeah. So he just <laughs> made dialogue and the camera just simply pans yeah. up. They don't change any of the other angles. Yeah. It's just like Corey, he's in a tree. He's just in a tree. And I just love, cause like he just did yeah. that so yeah. effortlessly and did not break performance yeah. or anything like that. It was it, so, it's Good. kind of accepts that he's a kid who climbs and hides in places when he gets stressed. Um, when he yeah. gets stressed, yeah, because he he joins the football team, yeah. Um, and his first day, he gets a prank from the bully. Um, yeah, the shower. Yeah, whose name is another Bruno. another Carrie reference? Kinda. Yeah, whose name is Bruno? He gets a shower prank, and then he walks up to the bully and is like, "You got a small dick." Um. And no, no, this is well, it. He says, the bully you, calls him, says, you have a small, small dick. dick. And he says, well, your your penis is getting erect um, in the shower with me, <laughs> yeah, he's which like, means you're gay because it's the 80s. Yeah, um, I was going to say, it throws a few like homophobic yeah. jokes in there, but it is pretty funny. Yeah. It's funny well, in the sense it's like, well, the only reason your dick is big is because you're getting erect yeah. in the shower. I'm like, oh, shit. And then Jeremy Piven, um, which is so funny because like his, his whole thing, like he's just kind of playing a homophobe in Entourage. Yeah. Um, and he comes and he's like, he's gay, isn't it funny, guys? And then, like everybody laughs at the bully. Um, and then in retaliation, they throw Lucas onto. They put something on his dick. Yeah, they, they it's sexually intru- assault this yeah, kid. It's introduced that there's this like I don't know, it's like muscle cream. They say it's the it, ho- they call it the hot stuff. It's some kind of powder, and I think it's like a muscle relaxer thing. Yeah, it's it's like a whatever it is. They use it to like for like muscle massages. They very much like they. Shoot it in a way where obviously you don't see the kid's fucking dick. Yeah. Because that'd be child porn. Yeah. But like they do it where like he's spread eagle with the towel facing away from the camera. So you yeah. don't see like, but you see them like, yeah. Put shit on his dick. Yeah. And so he runs outside because they, they push him. Oh, they push him outside. So he's he locked out of the locker room. He's in a towel. Yeah. And then Maggie sees him and runs over to see what's up. And he's like, no, I'm totally fine. I'm just dancing for fun. And he's like, like wiggling oh, around. Oh, yeah. And then he sprints across the field and jumps onto a fountain yeah. to try and like get water. Yeah. And he just kind of sits on the fountain and everyone laughs at him. Um, from this, he runs to his favorite hiding spot, which is like an underpass. Yeah. Um, he sits there. Maggie chases after him. Yeah. And is and tells him like, "Hey, I'm your friend. I want to be your friend." He's like, "I thought we were more." Um, and then she's like, "Well, no, I just want to be your friend." He tries to kiss her. She she's pulls. Like, what back. are we gonna do with you? She pulls back, and then he screams at her, and she leaves. Yeah. Um, Lucas is not um to be deterred. 
Um, the principal tells him you cannot play football. Lucas is pra- practicing what we now know clearly as the nice guy syndrome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he thinks like just because he was nice, he's owed. Yeah, he's owed intimacy. It. Yes. Uh, and so he sneaks into the next football game, um, in a full you know outfit. The outfit. Yeah. Um, and the team's losing terribly, tremendously. And he's like, "Put me in, coach. I'm ready. Put me in." And the coach's like, "I'm not putting you in." And he's like, "Put me in." Um, and the coach is like, and then he he says these words to the coach. He says, "Coach, you're a you're a dumb fucking jock." And the coach is like, "What?" And he says, "You're a second rate coach for a third rate team." Yeah. Put me in. If I'll never play again if you put me in now. And goes like, "All right, go play." We missed a scene at practice where this is at, this is before he gets pranked. Yeah where he first joins the football team and the coach is like, you're not joining the team. And he says, well, my dad's a lawyer and he can sue the school or whatever. Like, yeah, he just throws that out there. Like it means nothing. Yeah. He's like, well, my dad's a lawyer. And if you don't put me on the team, he can sue the the school. Yeah. And so reluctantly is on the team, but yeah, Yeah. in the game. And then eventually coach is like, well, fuck it. Fine. Like put him in. And the kid has no idea what the rules of football are. He keeps taking his helmet off. Yeah. Which is why he gets injured. Yes. To jump ahead slightly. But, um, you know, you expect as a person who watches movies that the way this is going to go. <laughs> and that is, this take place in the 80s. Yeah, that he's on the field and he's going to score the touchdown. It's going to be the underdog story. Yeah. I like that the movie doesn't do that. Same. I also um, like that. Because he, he is good at, like, dodging. And he, like, no one's paying attention to him. So he's near the, the, so, the touchdown. So line. he's wide open. Yeah. yeah. So they throw the football to him and he does catch it. And then drops it. Yeah, and then drops it and gets tackled. And it's a fumble. Yeah. It's um, a fu- not only is it a fumble, but like the the enemy, like the the op- opposing team, they grab it. He grabs onto one of the guys. Then the other guy gets tackled. There's another fumble. And then he grabs it and then he gets yeah. dog piled on. And he's not wearing a helmet. Yeah. And as when they all leave the dog pile, he has a big gash on his head and he's just lying there. That was that scene was like set to be suspense yeah there's so much suspense of like he's about and like winona's in the stands cheering like pass the ball to luke well pass the ball we to forgot Lucas. another part like in the first scene when they first get to school yeah. they're like oh what happened to jimmy or whatever it's like jimmy uh blew a brain vessel from playing trumpet too hard it's like no jimmy he, killed himself yeah he ate his dad's gun yeah <laughs> it's like what the fuck and he's like yeah something about a girl that yeah. he got and so they set that scene in action. That someone killed themselves to over a girl. Over a girl. And you think, because of how suspenseful this movie is, I'm thinking, no fucking way. Are they going to kill the kid? I thought they might be about to kill Lucas off. I thought it's like, no fuck- Well, once he said, dumb fucking jock, and they threw the F-bomb in, I was like, okay, maybe this movie's not as like for kids as you'd expect. It's PG-13. Yeah. It was supposed to be R. Mm-hmm. Did you read the trivia thing where it's not. like the way that they got to use the school- was to alter its rating. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Now, they said alter the rating to PG. Yeah. But it's PG-13. Yeah, I mean, this movie came out like the year PG-13's introduced. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that was why that yeah. whole thing was a thing. But yeah, so the dog pile, there's a lot of suspense. They're like, get off of him. Oh, my God. And then, like, it's very quiet. There's no scores. Like, somebody called the doctor. And I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck. What yeah. happened? Um, And so he's in the hospital. He's unconscious. Yeah, he's not dead. Maggie, Cappy, and... Rena try and get a hold of his parents. And Maggie's like, oh, I saw his house. We can go there. And they're like, that's not his house. And she's like, what? And so we cut to Winona and um, Maggie and uh, Cappy at like a trailer. Yeah. 
Um, and the twist of the movie is that Lucas did not live in the wealthy house. He lived in a trailer with an alcoholic gardener father. Yeah. Um, that, like, he kind of has a poor home life, and he was really just trying to, like, escape into something. Yeah. Um, with his friends. Um, and so it's it's because of Winona that they're able to find the house. She's like, yeah, I met his dad once. Um, Winona, the only person who actually knows. Yeah, who actually knows Lucas. Who actually knows him, yeah. And, like, not that Maggie doesn't care about him, but she's the one who cares about him. And it also fills in the gaps of why Cappy sees himself as, like, an older brother figure. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't so, come out of nowhere. Yeah, no, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It's it's esta- it's one of those things that's established, but you never predict. Yeah, like when it happens, you're like, oh, of course, this is what the movie is building towards. Yeah, it caught me off guard. I yeah. didn't I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I didn't see it coming either. That's why I, I brought up the M Night Shyamalan thing earlier. Yeah, not that it is like that. But um, Maggie comes to visit Lucas in the hospital and tells him he's never playing football again. Uh, he promises to not do that. And then he says this, like, bug thing about, like, where do you think we'll be when the locusts return in 17 years? Because earlier he'd been like, the yeah. locusts return every 17 years. Yeah. Um, and they're like, we hope, I hope, I hope I still know you when the locusts come back. Yeah. So he should have been called Locust instead of Lucas. Lucust? The Lucas Locust? I'm just throwing, you know, it's, ideas. It's out. like the classic Jeff Sweeney joke you're making right now. Yeah, and I love it. You're christening the first episode with yeah, it. Yeah, with the classic. I love it. I love it. It's yeah. good. It was good. And then the movie does the eighties ending. Um, yes. He comes back to school. <laughs> it's the mighty ducks. Yeah. He opens <laughs> up his locker and there's a varsity letter jacket in there. Yeah. And it puts it on. When known as across from him and like they kind of lock eyes. I think the implication is that like they're gonna, you know, maybe start talking. And everyone's just and the entire, Woo! literally, and the entire school applauds him. Yeah. Important note: they did lose the game <laughs> <laughs> terribly. Yeah. Um, it's like kind of an off kilter ending for what I think this movie's trying to do. Like, I get, I get it. It's just supposed to be a feel good ending. Yeah. Um, and the school accepts him, as you and you want that. Um, I feel like the 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 ending of this movie should have just been a little more low key, maybe. But it is nice. It, you do feel good for Lucas. You're happy for Lucas. Though. Like if he just like if there wasn't the big grand clapping, yeah, then he could have put the letter jacket yeah. on, and then gained some extra confidence. Yeah. Gone to talk to Winona Ryder. Yeah. Be like, hey, do you want to go grab some fries yeah. after school or something? And be like, absolutely. Like, and he walks away, freeze frame. Yeah, that's like, a good low key ending. I don't even think he needs the jacket. I think like he can just go back to the school after talking with Maggie and just walk up to Winona and just. Yeah. You want to go for fries after school? I like the jacket just a little bit. It's nice. I it, like the jacket just a little bit. I, I, I I'm lie. not locked or not locked to the jacket. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Um, but I agree. It's a little bit of a high key ending of yeah. like, okay, like if it had ended with a more low key, like he talks to Winona and it's like, do you want to go grab some milkshakes after school? Sure. Yeah. And then he like walks away with a newfound self-esteem confidence. Yes. And Freeze frame credits. That's very fulfilling yeah. to me. It's a charming movie. Yeah. Um, I, I liked it. It's like a solid like six, six, out, six of out of ten. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a six. That's out of probably 10. what I put it to. Yeah. Six out of ten. It's like a pretty solid six out of ten. It's an on base hit for everyone involved. Yeah. Um, in terms of their performance, um, the movie itself yeah. is not a big hit. Right. Um, it does come out. It gets overall good reviews. Roger Ebert loves this fucking movie. It gives a perfect four out of four. Says it's a movie about teenagers who are looking how to be good to e- with each other, to care, and not simply to be filled with egotism, lust, and selfishness, which is all that Hollywood movies think teenagers can experience. 
which I agree with his concept that this movie is exploring a like type of teenage feeling that you know I movies mean, don't always go to. Yeah, I I thought it's pretty revolutionary for a movie that takes place in 1986 to see a totally like to validate um, that he doesn't get the girl. Well, what's the the word? Uh, um, you're not intimate. You're just friends. What's the platonic? Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. I think maybe not for the '80s. It's slightly revolutionary for a movie to like validate a platonic, yeah, friendship, opposite sex relationship. It's a movie about a guy who or a kid who really wants to get with this girl, and then she's not interested in him, but wants to be his friend. And the message of the movie is that's fine. That's yeah. lovely. That's nice. Yeah, I like that. How many movies in the '80s do you see that as like looking down upon that? Yeah. Because like most most movies in the age are the girl says that and eventually she relents at the end. Yes, exactly. Um, and we will we'll be talking about quite a few more um, yeah. team movies, but Winona kind of does veer towards the less um stereotypical yeah types of these movies. I mean, two more movies and bam, she's in fucking Beetlejuice. She's in Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, be careful how many times you say it. Um, what Beetlejuice? Yeah, be careful. Be careful what? Um, just be careful. Um, so, because after this, I, you know, she move, does movies like Heather's. Heather's is like the ultimate wow. <laughs> yeah. opponent to the- I am so tr- excited Have you about seen Heather's? Heather's? Yes, I, I have. I fucking love Heather's too. It's so good. I'm excited to rewatch it. Heather's is a great movie. Yeah. Um, but she she's going to start veering towards this more um, interesting high school material. Which she is very open about um, in this biography I'm reading, and then just like in general sense, that she doesn't want to just play like the love interest. Yeah, she wants to play characters with agency. She wants to play interesting characters who aren't just like the girl to be one. Yeah, they either you know ha- they have their own goals, and the movie's going to let them have that. Right. Yeah, they want to be the androids and alien, not yeah, uh, not the Ridley. Yes, not Ripley. she is Call. Um, she wants to be Call, not Ripley. Yes, she wants to be Call. She gets called to be in. Alien Resurrection. I'm excited to talk about Alien Resurrection. <laughs> do we have a guest on that one? We do. Who? Uh, Dave Manzalo. Oh. He's never seen the Alien movies, and he's going to watch them all for it. Um, I'm so fucking ready. Um, I'm so fucking ready. Alien Resurrection, wild movie. I am pumped about this series, yeah. Jeff. The the nice thing, to get a little meta for a second, the ni- thing that's nice about Winona is her down periods are shorter and of overall better quality than the John or Brendan down periods. Yeah, but um, even like some of the movies that aren't really seen as being that good for her, they're interesting. I've seen before. Like, have you've seen um, have have you seen uh, it's the Salem Witch Trial movie, The Fuck. Crucible. Yeah, have you seen The Crucible? I have seen The Crucible. Was that shown to you in an English class? It in was. School? Same. Yeah. Same, bitch. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And you know what? I kind of like that movie. It's a good movie, and it's a but she, it's a. Five out of ten stars on yeah. IMDb. Winona gets two Oscar nominations coming up. Like she's in a lot of good movies. And even if they're not yeah. seen as good, they're at least interesting. Yeah, all of these movies. There are very few non-interesting movies on her list. They're all interesting. Name one. Name one. Name that a w- non-interesting one. Well, just to prep myself. What's well, one that I should gear up for that you know of. Obviously, we're gonna watch some movies that you and I both won't be able to predict until we watch them. But um, um, I would say. The mojo, the mojo Nixon. Debbie Gibson is pregnant with my two-headed uh, child. I was gonna say Homefront doesn't really seem that interesting, but it's a Jason Statham action movie, so like it'll at least be 
There's something there. Yeah. What's um, her lowest rated movie? That's the thing I want to watch. You keep talking. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I kind of have. I think that's kind of all I have to say about Lucas. Do you have anything else to say about Lucas? Mm, no, not really. Um, I'm excited to talk more about, about more Winona movies. Um, and find out which of them are the winners and which of them some of them aren't. Um, I don't know anything about the movie we're going to talk about next week. Um, Square Dance. Sorry, folks. Square Dance. Square Dance? Square Dance. Square Dance. Square Dance. What we're talking about next week. Um, movie starring Jason Robards, Jane Alexander, Winona Ryder, and Rob Lowe. Um, it's kind of like her first above-the-title billing role. Like, she plays a she's on the poster of that movie. Yeah. She goes from not being on the poster of this to on the poster, second movie, and then she's on the poster basically the rest of her career, which is exciting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that next week, and we'll be joined by our perennial first guest, Matt Abalde, will be joining us. He was um, our first guest on Travolting. His first guest on Travolting, first guest with Fraser. No so, shit, yeah. he was also first guest. Yeah, he's very committed to being the first guest, um, which wow. is funny, which is why he, I'll, t- I'll No, I'm not going to say I'll save it for next week. We'll talk about it with him. Um, also, Winona Ryder's lowest IMDb rated movie is a movie called The Letter. The Letter. Came out in 2012. It's IMDb out of 10 stars. It's rated 3.4. Stars Winona Ryder and James Franco. James Franco. Um, sounds good. Can't wait to talk <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. I think that's all I have to say. Stuart, got anything to say? Uh, I'm just, I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm pumped. I'm pumped for the yeah. series. Uh, and folks, we hope you enjoyed listening to our first episode of Easy Riders. Um, thank you so much for joining us for our third um, third time at bat. Um, please continue to stick with us. Like I said, we'll be talking about Square Dance next week with Matt Abalde. Um, tune in for that. Um, as you've noticed, we are transitioning to Winona Wednesdays. For our, We went for Travolta Tuesdays, uh, Fraser Fridays, and now we're doing Winona Wednesdays. And if you hate how I say the intro, folks, just be honest in the comments. No, Stuart's doing a great just intro. Just tell me. He's doing great. We love him. We're going to look very strongly into it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> wait for the Trump reference. Yeah. Um, you just did do the voice. I'm not going to do the voice on this episode. No, uh, I am not. Okay. Um, but thank you as always for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, you can pop to our Reddit, our slash Travolting. Find us on Twitter or Instagram at Travolting Pod. Um, Travolting Podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions. Find me on Twitter, X, whatever the fuck it's called now, um, at Jeff W. If it still exists. You know what you're talking like? What? You're talking like that kid in the State Fair vine where it's like, well, it was great, but apparently it's yeah, the apparently, <laughs> And so apparently it's, it's we- like, um, you follow me on Twitter. I think my, I think it's called X now. Yeah. Uh, and apparently <laughs> um, we have to have special thanks to Rebecca Johnson, Johnson for apparently our graphic, graphic design. design. And Michael Van Bergen Smith for apparently, apparently our boss theme music. Yeah. New this theme new music. theme, um, give him some love. Actually, quick shout out. Yeah. Check out Michael Van Bergen Smith on Instagram. Give him a shout out. Um, listen to some of his music because he is an incredible composer who is gracious enough to do our score or the soundtrack to our show in addition to doing like real work. If you look at Michael Van on IMDb, he's the fourth person who pops up. Yes. That's pretty sick. He is. That's pretty sick. His Instagram is mdvs um, underscore music. Uh, very talented guy, dear friend. Oh no Check shit! Him out. He works on the invitation. He did, yeah. No shit. He's doing real stuff. He's doing like real stuff. And yeah, he's doing bullshit for us. Yeah, he's doing the show. <laughs> All um, right. He's a great friend. Let's call. Let's. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to next week for Square Dance, and have a great week, folks. Mm-hmm.